Welcome to We're Totally Not Okay. Uh, but that's okay. A podcast about the intersection between mass media culture and mental health. I'm Kaylee Legrand. And I'm Tanya Beaven. Close enough. And this episode, <laughs> super excited that we get to air our interview with Adam Whitener. He is uh, has a history in social marketing, and he's a newly self-made entrepreneur he has a production facility in the east end of Toronto. Self-made. I like self-made. Yeah. yeah. Fuck nepotism. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> it. Yeah. So, production facility. That's really he, neat. Yeah. Actually, I met him on set of a production. It was a commercial. His company, not, not this company, his former company that he worked with, uh, I believe it was Edelman at the time, I was an actor in a commercial, and... Edelman was attached to the creation of this commercial. Oh. I think it was for Air Miles, oh. I want to say. But yeah, we met on set of a commercial shoot, and he had a super cool soul to him. Yeah. And I said, you, sir, are not corporate. And then he quit his job and started this production facility and became an artist. You, sir, are not corporate. <laughs> no, we didn't have that conversation, and I am not a catalyst in his movement. He's a self-made man. He's a very hardworking guy, has a really diverse background, um, mostly within the entertainment industry and media industry anyways. Well, uh, I mean, you... listening to the interview, he just sounds super inspirational. I mean, he sounds like he knows a lot about what he's doing, and I think he'll be quite successful. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what happens with this production company because mm-hmm. he's got that kind of personality that you just, it's contagious. Yeah, I was, I was excited listening to this, to this, uh, the interview. Yeah, was, great guy. Yeah. Anybody who is looking to create some sort of form of media, go hit up Astrolab is what his production company's called. Astra or Astro? Astro. Astro. Like stars. Astro. For the stars. Astro. So anybody looking to create some sort of media, if you're looking to make a music video or a commercial or uh, any kind of video and audio production, hit up Adam at Astrolab Studios. It's in the East End in Toronto. Great guy, great team to work with. Especially to plug something that he said in his interview uh, charities. He wa- really wants to work with charities. Yeah. So and if there's any charities out there looking for a media person, you should hit up uh, Adam. That's and, one of the things that I love the most about his outlook with his company because, you know, we've done enough work that has been associated with corporate media to know that most of the time it's really just about the bottom line. And... <laughs> sorry. Bless you. And... So it's really exciting to know that, yes, he's starting a corporation and has really cool altruistic motivations behind his endeavor. Mm -hmm. So charities, absolutely. If you're looking to connect with some media production companies out there, go find Adam. Heck yeah. Trying to make sure that money is not the thing that guides you in your work is not an easy thing these days when... The monetary system is our 
our system that we are ingrained in, especially with the way the, the world's taken a little bit of a uh, turn to the drumpf. Yeah. In the dumps. It's, it's a little dumpy. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little dumpy. It's yeah. a little drumpy. <laughs> drumpy. Trumpy? Um, Which is why we talk a little bit more about the personal experience he has had making this transition. Mm -hmm. He talks about the necessary ability to pivot his focus. You know, even just when it comes to our lives as actors, Mm -hmm. we, if we're not booking constantly or in the slow seasons of the years, we have supplemental income whether you're in the service industry or if you do have a corporate day job yeah you have to be able to pivot your focus and that in itself is not an easy thing to do so we chat with adam about ways that he cycles himself through those focuses Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. via meditation and yoga and how he keeps that kind of composure yeah how he like organizes each thing he needs to do mm-hmm. for his day he hits on he hits on this one topic that i know you <laughs> and i you and i uh have some personal difficulties with vendettas difficulties um <laughs> what's that thing what's that thing that you know, we shed a little bit of a tear over um you know something called sleep yeah. i don't really know if that's in my vocabulary properly i don't think i know how to spell it mm. As I take a sip of coffee. (laughs) Right? What time is it? Oh, it's only one. I've got about two more hours until I say no more coffee. If I want to try and sleep at a probable hour. Are you giving yourself a cutoff point now? I'm trying to. That's amazing. I did. I've been doing it for a while. And then the other day I had a coffee at like seven o'clock because I was like, I want to try this. It was like that MGT one at Thrive or whatever. Yeah. Had like coconut. Oh, stuff. MCT. Yeah. yeah. yeah that it's one. It's really medium good. chain triglyceride. Yeah. Which is it's a like the oils from coconut oil. Yeah. Which is Lots really of good yummy. fatty acids. Yeah. Really, yeah. really cool. But anyways, yeah, no, coffee at 7 p.m., bad idea if you want to try and sleep before 3 a.m., at least in my lifetime. You know what You know <laughs> what I had there that I really like? Oh, here's a plug for a new vegan vegetarian restaurant that's just opened up that mm-hmm. love the menu. Really, really love it. Really um, love it. And it has been a bit of a, an inspiration for me to try to drink less caffeine. Yes! And do better with my health. Yes. It's really cool. Me too. They have really great smoothies and bowls there. Um, mm-hmm. But, yes, yeah, so they have this MCT coffee. Which, it's, it's becoming a big trend now to put coconut oil in coffee. It's really good. It is so good. I'm obsessed <laughs> like with I it. Like, I don't need milk anymore. No. I uh, mean, you can put milk, but you don't need it. Yeah, I'm, it's delicious. I, really, I don't. I know I'm supposed to put milk in my coffees because it's really? super acidic. Uh, yeah, especially on the stomach. But I didn't know that. I never put milk. That's what I was told by a physician. However... Oh. Too much milk in your diet is also another bad thing, which yeah. we're not going to get into right now. Everything um, is bad nowadays. Anyways. I know. I'm, I've been doing so much research about nutrition because nutrition and sleep are two hand of the biggest hand. things that affect your mental health, that affect mm-hmm. your entire, your, your overall well-being and how you're able to well, conduct your business. With my sickness, that's what my neurologist said. He was like, the two things you need to focus on is A, sleeping properly and be how what you're intaking. He's like, you need to stop not eating what your body needs. Like, stop eating junk. Stop mm-hmm. drinking so much coffee. Drink yeah. more water, you know? Like, the mm-hmm. simplest things. But, yeah, I agree. The insane it's... amount of allergies that I've developed over the years, mm. which I'm sure I would have talked to 
before on these episodes, you know, the fact that all these near-death experiences I've had with my (laughs) allergies and how the world's kind of like, she's still not dead? Fuck it. Make her allergic to celery. What what, what can we get her out with? Mm -hmm. Water sticks. You need water. (laughs) Fucking water sticks. Like, they're, what, 90% water? Yeah, yeah. So 10% of whatever the fuck is in that that you are dying from. That's the world just being like, is this girl a superhero? test out the water theory she's a ninja yeah and i what, what's cool is at this thrive restaurant there's actually a uh i guess she's one of the owners yeah um, otilia she wonderful human oh, really fun beautiful. talking with her and her background is in nutrition and so i started chatting with her about all the different doctors and physicians i've been to trying to figure out what how i've developed these allergies and what they all are because I still don't know everything that I'm that severely allergic to. Yeah. And she was able, in like a 10 minute chat with her, she was able to explain in layman's terms, but scientific enough for me to understand that it actually is what's happening inside me, how I developed these allergies. And she talked about the alkalinity, is that a word? Uh, of your diet? I know what you, I know what you mean by the alkaline. Yeah. yeah. So your alkaline, the alkaline, refers to your pH balance in your mm-hmm. body. The same way that your body regulates itself in terms of temperature, um, and we very easily are able to tell whether we're too hot or too cold. Yeah. But our, we haven't come to immediately recognize the signs that our body is giving us when we do not have the proper level of pH balances. I believe it's supposed to sit at 7.356. Uh, don't quote me on that. I'll have to... 7.356, according yeah. to my calculation. Somebody tell me what pi is. <laughs> um, and if it doesn't sit at the right alkaline level, pH level, uh, essentially, for me, I wasn't. I was eating a lot of acidic foods, mm-hmm, thinking I was... Mm-hmm eating healthily. You know, I eat a lot of nuts and grains. I do eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, but um, we don't realize how much of our diets have uh, things that are more acidic as opposed to alkaline, like the nuts and grains and the meats and the carbs in our our diets that actually turn into acid in our stomach. And if we Mm -hmm. don't balance it out, it'll start to eat holes through your stomach. And what happened when you live on a diet of caffeine because of the little sleep, you burn holes to your stomach, and then the things that you don't necessarily, that you may have been fine with before, like carrots and celery for me, leak through your gut. So you'll also hear That's things so like uh, leaky gut syndrome. Yeah, yeah leaky gut Leaky syndrome. gut syndrome. Basically, they're not, oh my they're not staying. The, the things you're putting into your body are not going through the proper systems, and if they are interacting with other parts, if they immediately go uh, through the lining of your gut, of your stomach and into other parts of your system, those other parts of your system, your immune system, says, what the hell are you doing here? Get the fuck out and reacts immediately. Yeah. So um, I have, over time, like the the first time, I guess, that your body recognizes that, it goes, hmm, not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Second time's like, I remember you, I'm going to fight. And anaphylactic shock is when it not only fights off the good, but goes into overdrive and just, you swell up. Yeah. Like a dumpling in Willy mm-hmm. Wonka little blueberry and so she was able to like I'm still drinking coffee I can't believe I'm I'm doing better I'm doing I'm doing the same thing as you and giving myself cutoffs (laughs) but 
I just really liked your I'm doing better. I wish you could just see it. It was good. Because I carry such guilt knowing what the problem is, but still being addicted. Like, I've lived off of coffee for so long, knowing that it's not the greatest for you, but didn't realize how how much of an effect it was having on my health. Ugh, guys. Woe is me. <laughs> that being said, I... I'm making the slow transition to cut down. I've been drinking a lot more green teas. I've been having this thing. So the MCT coffee at Thrive that I have, instead of putting it in uh, with real coffee, I think they use like an espresso baser, but they also have this dandelion Did blend. you try it with or, the dandelion tea? Dandy? Or the dandy, dandy dand- blend? Dandelion blend. Dandy blend, yeah, I, think I think is what it's called. Yeah, yeah but uh, it's like yeah. dandelion flower it's, and stuff. It's an acquired taste. I like it though. I like it too. I dig it, but like you did it with the MCT, MCT oil. No, yeah. crap. They can put like okay. a little bit of coconut milk in. They, mm. but you can't just like stir. I tried to do it myself with just like stirring it into no, you my have to coffee. Blend it. You have to blend it. Yeah. It's so good when you blend, like, because it actually blends it together. Mm-hmm. But if you just put MCT oil in your coffee, you can see it separates. I don't know. I would still just drink MCT oil. Yeah, you can take it. Well, you can just like um, fish oil. You can just take it like a spoonful of it. It's healthy for Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Up to a tablespoon a day or something. Yeah. Yeah. MCT oil and coconut oil. um, Well, I guess coconut oil, for instance, has a high... Highest smoking point. High smoking point. It holds the highest health fats. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like when when you're... This is other stuff that I didn't realize. When you're cooking or baking or, or... using different oils certain oils have a, a high smoking point and mm-hmm. whereas others have a low smoking point yeah. and so if you were to use like first of all canola oil just the get worst. it out of your diet it you just don't even have cells. it in your house yeah uh, uh, even the hummus that i was buying i realized it has coconut uh, canola, canola oil in it mm-hmm. so i'm gonna start making my own as well Oh, yeah, we're totally. all turning the nappies and it's amazing yeah <laughs> but there are certain things like like sunflower oil or canola oil um, or safflor, saffron, no, I can't remember. No. Anyway, certain oils <laughs> that, I think sesame oil is another one of them, when you try to like use it in a pan to make an egg or stir fry vegetables, it, because it has a low smoking point, once you hit a certain degree, it breaks down the fatty acids in it and that's how you get trans fats which are super bad for you um so i've started to become more aware of which ones i can actually use to cook with or bake with or put at high temperatures yeah you can you can put like a a a sesame seed oil in like a dressing if you're not gonna heat it up or anything Mm -hmm. and it still has health benefits for you or flaxseed oil yeah but yeah once you put them in a certain temperature they don't they Mm -hmm. lose all their nutrition anymore so all these things that connect to sleep as well and, like, gut and... Healthy just... body leads to healthy minds. Yeah. Which leads to peace of mind, which leads to maybe I won't have nightmares. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a whole other episode of it, like... Yeah, man, I had problems, the most fucked up nightmare the other day. Oh, oh man. But then my mom translated it and I was like, you are so right. That is exactly what I'm going through. 
Does your mom decode dreams? Uh, she's just really good at it. She like she has like a bunch of dream books and like reads them and I like too. you know I want to get into it. I kind of feel like I know what I'm doing. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm kind of psychic because I kind of always know things. Like I have a really good gut feeling, but mm-hmm. yeah. So no, I had a really fucked up dream. I'm sure we are a little bit psychic at least. Women's we, women are psychic. So are children, and we never really grew up. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. little girls. Little girls who see that we're like those two creepy twins in The Shining. Oh my god. (laughs) Maybe not that scary. No, we're cute. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We should actually have somebody on the show who decodes dreams. I think that would be a super fun episode of interview. That'd be neato mosquitoes. Yeah. I had a couple of friends who used to read energies. Oh, cool. Maybe we'll get one of them. I feel like I need to get my energy cleaned. Get my chakras aligned, yeah. you know? Like, Wait, where do we go? Any services out there that, uh, do they do, like, car wash versions of cleansing your aura? I know someone who's, like, a Reiki master. Yeah. Is that, is that, okay, I've done Reiki a couple of times. I think that's what it is. Is it, like, a car wash for your body? Pretty much. For your aura? It's like a... Yeah. <laughs> they, like, pull, they pull actually... out the dirty chakras and clean them and spit shine them and... Look, come back in. One thing I do want to mention about sleep in particular, my conversation with Adam, he actually sent me a follow-up email, ironically enough, you know, he was talking about being able to just, like, let things go and not worry about it and just being you and not what people think you should be. Um, but he did send me a follow-up email, and uh, he was kind of laughing about it. He's like, you know what? I know I said, um, don't worry about things, but I spent part of my night afterwards worrying that, like, I may have said something that may oh. offend some of the listeners. Oh, no. Um, especially because we're chatting after about, like, you and I have yeah. such sleep <laughs> problems. And when yeah. he said, you know, if you're if you're not bouncing out of bed, roaring to go, he didn't he didn't mean, like, that you should look like that sort of a cartoon every morning popping up being like, today is sunny, because everybody has trying times. Yeah, totally. So he's kind of laughing at himself for, for having that little bit of an oxymoron. Having a trying right? time. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, having a trying time and being like, I never meant to offend anybody, and feeling kind of hypocritical about that. Yeah. So he's just, he's such a wonderful guy to even worry that, like, all these wonderful, nice things that he's saying and just sharing with the world to be like, wait, but I also worry that I may offend so He sounds just Aww. like, Well, on that note, let's get right into the uh, interview. Um, A few other things you might hear him talking about are points on trying versus doing. Um, You know, like, are you actually trying or are you doing? Duh. Um, uh, Positive versus negative mindsets Mm -hmm. with law of attraction. Um, Is there always a positive? Mm -hmm. Quantity versus quality. Authenticity. Relation, yeah, for, with relationships. Um. <laughs> I think that's something that'll probably strike a chord with a lot of actors, especially because we hear so much chat about being authentic, playing yeah. your authentic, your like be this character. But I know, that, sorry, I didn't mean to like shit on that because I believe so much in it. <laughs> I know, but I know. but it is kind of a. It can sound like a hooey notion, but it doesn't just play into the world of entertainment and being able to still mm. be authentic authentic to your performance and yourself while playing a different person sounds like an oxymoron yeah um but it's something that adam speaks very well too Mm -hmm. in terms of daily life and how we do kind of put on different hats play different roles depending on who we're interacting with what relationships we're we're engaging in at any given moment yeah 
I like the fact that it kind of leaves off on the end that, you know, sure, yeah, there's always a little bit of shifting and, and malleability, but to at the end of the day, be like, cool, going to do it again and be me. Yeah. You do you. You do you. Mm-hmm. Cool. With that, we bring you to the interview. I'm Adam Whitener, and uh, I'm newly entrepreneur, uh, social marketer by trade for about the last eight years. I quit my job in an agency uh, to start my own thing, and that is a uh, production facility, a studio in the film district. Uh, that's my big thing, and then I've also got, that's about maybe three quarters of my time, and then I've got, uh, I also manage uh, an artist, he's a uh, electronic music producer, uh, so that takes up the other quarter of my time or so. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I do. I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, very all over the place. Yeah, you yeah. are a little bit of music, a little bit of film. Uh, trying to stay within the creative space, but uh, you know I like to spread my wings and and do lots of different things. So that's kind of what I'm all about. So. You're a gypsy at heart. Yes, me totally. too. Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> it, did you start off in the creative industry? How did you get to where you are? Yeah. So uh, I was working in social marketing more from a client and uh, strategy perspective. Um, and what I was noticing was that I, I was kind of on the wrong side of the equation when I was working with, you know, I'd be in a studio working with creative teams and seeing what they do and realizing that, you know, I kind of wished I was on that side with them. Um, you know, I was, I was you know, good at what I do, I think, but um, ultimately uh, I felt lacking in the, as far as my ability to have a creative output and creative influence and just to be around that kind of work more often. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was in agency that I saw there was a need for this type of studio model that I'm creating now. Um, and, you know, the kind of the real impetus for why I'm doing it is that it's going to enable me to, to really be around people who are super passionate about what they do, are excited about their work, uh, love to create awesome content, um, and I'll get to be part of all of it. So when I'm in the studio, you know, for 12 hours a day, I'll be around, you know, various projects and really get to be a part of that, so... And it sounds like you do have a passion for specifically music when it comes to creativity, but your studio isn't just music related, correct? Correct. Yeah. So it's it's more it's really designed for video. Uh, we also do have an offering for for photography, and we do have a small recording space as well. Not really for music, but more for podcasts, potentially ADR recording, uh, various things like that. So it's uh, we have a small sound booth. You could bring a guitar in there if you really wanted to, um, but it's more for vocal type stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. Second so. interview with you from my podcast. I'll yeah. bring a guitar in. <laughs> totally. We'll just make it yeah. all musical. Try to fit every different type of creativity into it. Yeah, hundred percent. No, that and, and I mean that's exactly with that space specifically with our, our audio booth. That's exactly the kind of thing we're going after. Is you know podcasting is is a growing industry. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, again, it's kind of made a comeback. I think. And, uh, and so come back big time. Yeah, I mean, well, podcasting was huge. You know, in two thousand six, two thousand seven, it was massive. Um, then visual forms of media kind of took over and people sort of thought podcasts were going away. Um, I actually used to co-organize an event called PodCamp Toronto, uh, which was, you know, it's in its origins was all about podcasting. Now, by the time I got there um, to first volunteer and then slowly work my way into the organizing committee, it was already really more about social media and various forms of social media, less so just, you know, audio uh, and podcasts. So it kind of moved away. But in the last couple of years, it's actually starting to transition back, and more and more of the sessions um, are actually about podcasting now again. So it's definitely think, making a resurgence. Why do you think that is? Um, I honestly don't know. I think um, I think it's probably just the quality of content that people are um, you know being able to find now. So there are a ton of like too many podcasts, but just like anything in content, there's too much of it out there. 
um, but through you know with iTunes and various tools like that that can help kind of aggregate and you know make suggestions for you of some of the more popular ones people have been able to find some really great inspiring funny you know entertaining podcasts out there um, and I think that that's that's probably a big part of why the other thing is too is that you know you can throw them on your iPod and listen to them on the go and you could be on the subway you could be anywhere you don't need a, a connection for that and you know that's obviously one of the, the downfalls of video is you know you can only consume it in certain spaces um, you know without audio it's kind of useless most of the time so uh, this is something you throw it on your iPod and you can listen on the go and I think that's probably a big part of it too yeah, yeah. I, I find that I, I do the exact same thing I'm, I've become obsessed with podcasts only recently didn't really start back in 2006 you said is when yeah, they were really yeah, big yeah they were huge yeah uh, I think I started to become aware of them but yeah. uh, probably was on that same train that had them die off a little bit thinking it's just another thing right I don't know if it's really going to pick up but even within the world of podcasts I mean it's just another medium it's another mm -hmm. way to convey information uh, or create content but even within the world of podcasting it's so segmented you can find a plethora of comedic style podcasts sure, yeah. or if you can listen to Freakonomics or This American Life yeah. obsessed with that yeah. uh, I listen to also Script Notes you, you can find specialized podcasts 100%. that people are becoming addicted to and yeah. people are able to grow their name or their business through too for sure and I think that's actually another great point is the is the different niches that exist out there and that are very tailored to a certain type of audience mm -hmm. that you almost feel that the that they're speaking to you directly uh, it's very personal and intimate that way um, because the way that they're produced um, they're able to get very focused and hone in on one thing um, you know and don't have to spread their wings too too broadly and say oh, we're kind of talking to everybody they kind of know who their audience is and that's who they're speaking to and I think that's also a big part of why they've grown so much mm -hmm. yeah it does have that that kind of weirdly that hearkening back to how you know transistor radios and how they started <laughs> bringing nations together and you could hear voices from across the yeah. nation uh, before we had television, it was really voices yeah. that it was the audio that carried across and yeah. uh, carried across borders. And it feels almost like we're not necessarily moving back in time. Well, we, I do feel like we're, we're mm. moving back in time a little bit in very many ways. But, sure. but this is our modern version yeah. of kind of a new wave. So it's interesting that we kind of became obsessed with social media mm -hmm. when podcasts started to sprout up. Why do you think we became obsessed with being being on platforms that weren't necessarily in the hands of you know gatekeepers, quote unquote? Sure. Uh, well, I think you know it's very experimental in nature. All of these things are, and I think that around the time that podcasts had really blown up, another format that was really blowing up was blogging. And I think that when people were looking at it as a marketing tool specifically, or as a way to drive interest in what they were doing. Uh, they were seeing the results at that time that blogs were very, very effective and could be you know, produced with even less, right? Did you have a blog? Uh, I've had a couple of blogs over the years. Nothing like, yeah, they're mostly they're collecting dust in a corner somewhere. I don't even know if the domains <laughs> are active dust. anymore. Yeah, um, I have. Um, I dabble in too many things. That's, that's probably one of my, my downfalls is that, and, and that, you know, of course, makes it tough to stick to one thing. But yeah. I have had a couple of blogs over the years as well. But I think that was a big part of it. So people were seeing, you know, if I'm going to put my time into something, um, they were seeing that blogs could be very effective and produce very easily. 
um, even often without even the need to create images or anything. They could often just find images, you know. So it's something you could do in a couple of hours or half of a day. You mm -hmm. could put together a really solid piece and, and you know, kind of go on your way. And I think that was probably a big part of why. Um, and then also from there, you know, so people experimented with blogs. Then it starts to be, it's all about images now. How can we tell more with just images? And people start experimenting with that. They kind of left blogs to then collect dust like mine is. And, yeah. um, you know, and I think people continue to explore different storytelling formats. Um, now, right now, of course, video is really the holy grail. If you look at anything like the brands or most brands are all producing video content now, which is, uh, you know, another big reason why I'm creating a studio specifically designed for those types of people because that is like the sort of format nowadays, right? Yeah. Well, but that's how we met. Exactly. <laughs> and I, but I think it's all about experimentation, really, at the end of the day, and and seeing what sort of works. And uh, you know, that's really what it's all about. Where is where your audience is, and you know, where you're best able to reach them, and and that's that's what it's all about. So. Now, do you have one thing at the top of your totem pole that, you know, if you could choose just one thing mm. after having all this experience that you work towards? Yeah, I think it would be whatever I'm looking at in that current moment. Um, for me, it's all about uh, sort of what's happening right now and what can be done right now about whatever it is that I'm dealing with, right? So that's how I've been able to find success when I have spread myself so thin. Because if I was to think of all of the things that I'm doing as a whole, it's overwhelming and daunting and I'll never get anything done. I'll just sort of sit and look at it and probably hide in a hole somewhere. But if I take it into little chunks of, well, what can I do right now in this moment, today, here and now, to make a difference in the larger picture, and I put all of my energy into that, then I can actually see some quality results. Even though I'm spreading thin, in each moment, I'm not really because I'm only focused on one single thing at a time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the important thing to, to, you know, if you're like us and you want to spread yourself in and try, like I love to just dabble and try and learn about different things. You know, I'm the kind of person that knows a little bit about a lot of things. Um, you know, and I don't consider myself an expert in much, but... Uh, You'd be a good improviser. I, I did improv for a bit. Uh, it wasn't the best, uh, it wasn't the best actually. Um, but, but yeah, I think it's really about breaking anything you're doing into small chunks and putting all of your effort on that one thing you could do right now mm -hmm. and you're going to kick ass at it. So yeah. would you say that you've become good at being, I guess you could say, a pivot point? Sure, yeah. Or, or pr prioritization maybe is another way of putting it too. It's just sort of, again, if you've got this big long li list of things to do, you, you can't do them all at once, right? Ever. So what is the one thing you can do right now and put all of your energy and focus to that now? Mm -hmm. Maybe in an hour, your energy and focus goes to something completely different. When the time is right for that, that's fine. But for now, you're focused on what's that one thing I could be doing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. What, do you ever crash? Uh, sure, I mean, all the time, yeah. I, you know, and I, I, that's why I think it's really important to find time for yourself, right? And time where you don't have to answer to anybody, you don't have to be on your you know, devices away, um, time to just sit in silence and, you know, you can call it meditation, call it what you want to call it, but time to sort of disconnect from the world, disconnect from even the room you're sitting in and go internal and, and you know, spend time with yourself. That's sort of like the best thing you could do. Right? Do you do that? Do you find time to do Absolutely, that? Absolutely, yeah. So, um, you know, it's not always easy to find the time, like, to just be at home and, and go sit in a room. I do have a little area that I like to sit in and, I won't call it a sanctuary, but it's like my little sanctuary. Um, sure, call you know, it It's that. a comfortable space uh, that's quiet that I can, you know, I can sit and reflect, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes at a time. Just, again, totally internal, shutting off 
outside, you know, sources, outside noise, kind of all your thoughts and just going inside. Um, do you do that every day? I, I don't. So what I was getting to a bit along with way of saying it is that that's not always easy to do. You know, there are distractions at home. I have my wife at home and there's different things going on where, you know, we're both pretty busy. But uh, the one way that I can always make sure I get that in is, is to, to be honest, is through yoga. Uh, so in yoga, um, you know, whether it's a hard workout class or it's a restorative class, uh, it's all about focus. So whether you're focused on your breathing or you're focused on what you're doing, whatever it is you're focused on, but you're, you, you have that hour or hour and 15 minutes to really, it's about you. You're there to uh, both physically and mentally work on yourself and it's time you're dedicating to yourself and you're not allowing for any outside distractions. And that's something that I've gotten really good at now. Uh, you know, when I first tried yoga, it was like lying on the mat, like what the hell am I doing in here? I'm thinking about like 50 million other things because I have an active mind naturally and that's just how I am. Um, but I've learned through practice that uh, it can actually be really easy to just be, be present and shut all that shit off. And as soon as you do that, there's this crazy feeling of peace that comes over you that's like, you can't describe it. Um, and that's how you find, you know, the energy to get back when you do crash, back to your question about whether or not I crash. Mm -hmm. um, that's, th those are the moments that will help you find that energy back and renew that energy for you that you can get back up and go, okay, I'm going to kick some ass now and, and go do that. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, easier said than done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My sister and mother are both yoga instructors. And no way. Yeah. Well, we, we've all at one point or another been instructors with Good Life. Uh, Good life sponsor, uh, <laughs> but my mother was she was an instructor for a couple of different classes. She did the flow, the yoga. Yeah. She also did RPM and a couple other ones. My sister got that flow yoga sense, and, and she ended up being a yoga instructor. I nice. did the RPM. Yeah. I couldn't do I could do the cycling classes, and I taught yeah. those, but I I struggled so much with the yoga, not mm -hmm. the the physical movement, no. the Tai Chi and Pilates that are incorporated yeah. into their classes. But at the end, when they had those yeah. ten minute meditation, yeah. oh sure, I couldn't even yeah. hold on to those words in my head because I would be so unsettled trying to force myself to just stop, mm. to lie there and not necessarily clear your mind because it's yeah. not always the goal. Right, uh, it's kind of a goalless experience. Exactly, that's right. But. I always found, I found myself looking around at people mm -hmm. and going through the list of things to yeah. do in my head. I'm like, is nobody else? No, nobody's freaking out. And like, you're not having difficulty with this. Okay, cool. Uh, and I was like, oh, rolling up my map. Yeah. Excuse me. And climbing over people. <laughs> just trying to get out of the room. Yeah, yeah. Because that stillness was so uncomfortable mm -hmm. for me for the longest time. I'm getting around to it. Yeah. But w was it, I mean, you, you already said it. It was difficult to get into. Totally. How long until you felt like it was something that you, I guess, owned and you could call it your mm. escape? I don't know exactly how long. I mean, I, I practiced yoga like the odd time here or there for many years, but I never was really into it, I guess you could say, up until about eight months ago. Um, there's a, a good studio right by my house that I decided to do a trial membership at and I got completely hooked to it. Um, yeah, I honestly don't know how long I put a time frame on it, maybe like a couple of months, but, but it wasn't like, but a like I can completely relate class. with you. No, um, 
because like I, you know, I was diagnosed uh, ADHD as a kid, and oh, like, yeah. I've always, yeah, like I don't sit still generally for more than like a couple of minutes before needing to like get up and do stuff. Like, thank you for sitting I'm with crazy. me for this interview, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, like I'm the same way, and and I think you're totally not alone. By the way, that most I think most people are lying there thinking, oh my god, oh my god, and they're thinking about all the things they have to do, and they're thinking like, what the hell? Why aren't you guys all fidgeting? Why yeah. am I the only one who's moving around? Um, so you're definitely not alone there. Uh, I think the key with that stuff, though, to be honest, is is to let go of trying. You can't try. You'll never tr- trying to stop your thoughts is creating more thoughts on its own, right? So I think the key very is very Yoda-ish. There is no try. There is no try. Just no, do. the key is to just let go. That's the key. So to uh, the, the big secret really is to become an observer of your own thoughts. So to recognize that you're not your mind, but your mind is a tool within you that you have the ability to use. Now you can let it control you mm-hmm. or you can become a little bit more harmonious with it and become an observer of the mind. And once you do that and you recognize that, hey, these thoughts that I'm having aren't me, they're, they're part of me, they're, you know, they're coming from my mind, but they're not me. My mm-hmm. conscious self, my inner energy is truly who I am. And when you stand from that point of view and look to those thoughts, they basically just fall away. You don't analyze or judge them too much, you just let them be. And when you do that, they just fall away on their own. If you try and take over them or you say, I'm going to control my mind, you can't do that. It's a battle you'll never win. It's like trying to grip sand. Correct. Exactly. Flipping through the fingers. 100%. I think the, the, the best thing you can do, the, the biggest thing you can do is, is learn to become an observer of your own thoughts. And, and you'll see the, the magic in that, uh, that literally those crazy thoughts will just disappear. And then you'll be observing nothing, really, you know, just the, the stillness in the room and the peace that you're feeling and how relaxed you suddenly feel. Yeah. It's an amazing experience. Once you do it, once you find that, it, again, I can't put a time frame on I don't know, and I don't know when the moment was for and me either. And it's different for everybody. Yeah. yeah. And there wasn't like a moment that it clicked and I was like, I suddenly get it. It didn't happen like that. It was just kind of, yeah, slowly over time, eventually you just get to that point where it does kind of make sense to you and you can just sort of let go of thought. It's so hard to find your quiet spot, especially when you get kicked out of a room and then shoved into another room, which is what just happened to us. So now we're in a different, a different pod recording and you'll probably notice with the sound, but to get back to what we were talking about, (laughs) (laughs) um, it's kind of interesting how meta of an experience that was. I have difficulty with finding that space where I can, my mind isn't interrupted Mm -hmm. because I find that I'm constantly pivoting in my head because I have so much on the go and, and the meditation, you know, I like that idea of taking a look at all those things that are bombarding your mind as cars on a highway and you're just sitting by the highway mm. watching them go by. Great analogy. Yeah, that, well, I'd like to say it was mine, but I got that from the meditation app that okay. I was using. Yeah. And when you spoke about separating yourself from your thoughts, taking a step away from that or outside of mm. that, it also makes me think of how Tony Robbins describes mm. his brain being essentially an employee for him. Yeah. That it works for him. That's right. That he's the one who's the boss. Yeah. Yeah, which I think, you know, that's, I think few people can have that luxury of being really in control. I don't think that should ever be your aim to be in control necessarily of your mind, but to be more, uh, you know, in harmony with your mind, I think is what we should all be striving for. That's a better way of looking at it. Yeah. When it comes to meditation too, it's one of those things you can't really try to meditate 
Um, it just doesn't work that way. Um, all you can really do, I think the, the best way to experience it is to sit in silence, um, you know, to not have music, not have any, no apps, no guided, nothing, to just sit there and find comfort in the discomfort that you're surely about to experience because you're going to sit in a position for 15 minutes, 20 minutes and your legs are going to fall asleep and all of that. Uh, but to find comfort in that and, uh, and to, again, to be an observer of your thoughts. If you, uh, if you do that, it becomes very easy to meditate. Because again, when you observe your thoughts, they seem to just kind of fall away. They don't, they don't become so pronounced. Whereas if you are your thoughts, that's all that's there. There's no escaping that ever until you become the witness. And as soon as you do, they're gone and suddenly you're just sitting there in pure bliss. It is insane to try to think about if you consider the number of thoughts you have on mm. a daily basis or just within within an hour, yeah. if you actually try to focus on them, to harness them in and to analyze them, which is, I think, what mm. I try to do and which is what drives me to this point of thinking I'm going insane. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've had moments like that and I, I get into very anxious states. Yes. You know, I get into moments of, you know, having to remind myself, okay, this is... This is either something I need to pay attention to, or yeah. it's just an anxiety attack. Exactly. And labeling it that so that I can step outside it. Yeah. What's interesting is that our world, what we've created for ourselves, is that kind of bombardment with mm-hmm. messages in in every way we possibly can. On our phones, totally. all the ads that are popping up, walking down the street. We live downtown Toronto. Mm-hmm. Dundas Square is literally just a Dr. Seuss world of messages and to think about how difficult it is to just do that on an individual basis with your own thoughts Mm -hmm. what's your opinion on how we have proliferated that into into our societies the way that we live well I think that you know overall as a society we look externally for identity and to to feel that we're okay that we're doing the right thing and that we're doing the accepted norms um, and I think that's really the, the, where the issue is is that we're we're consuming all these things because we think it's making us better it's making us smarter it's helping us to identify who we are um, you know I think if, if we could let go of that a little bit and just be okay with who we are as we are and not and not have that be defined by some external factor um, such as your culture or your upbringing um, you know that to just be really just to be uh, yeah. you know I, I uh, you know a great author Eckhart Tolle uh, who I've learned a lot of things from you know one of the things he says is you know to spend less time trying to be human and more time just being so if that means it makes any sense I hope it does but really it means to just to, to not try and do what you think makes sense based on what others are telling you or what you're reading or seeing or hearing to define who you are and to be human, right? And to just accept being as it is all the time. The sort of the isness is what is another thing says the isness of, of now to just be at peace with it and accept it as it is. Yeah. That's not to say to give up your dreams and to uh, to say, well screw it all, I don't care about anything. Um, it's it's really quite the opposite. It's it's more about um, you know, when it comes to, to the isness of things is looking at again in small chunks and moments like what can you do now to have an impact on things that's what it's really all about well it's difficult to have an impact to cut through that noise uh 
even when it comes to a, a professional setting. So, yeah. for instance, when you work in a creative environment, if you're creating ad work, there's already so much ad work out there. Mm -hmm. So it's now become this world of competitive punch-throughs yeah. of those billboards and those digital yeah. streams. It's insane to think that we're, we're trying to create more of it. Mm -hmm. We're trying to figure out how to stand out in that yeah. way on a large scale, also on a personal scale. Like totally. you said, to be able to find that identity and to be able to, yeah. to stand out for yourself or to stand out to others mm -hmm. if you're just trying to win a job, to right. get through an interview. Exactly, yeah. Um, it's on every level. And I guess that's kind of a chicken and egg situation. Which one came first? Did we teach ourselves to have these mindsets by putting all these bombardments of messages out there or did all of that sort of media come up because that's how our minds work mm -hmm. already. Yeah, I think it's probably that more than anything. They probably feed in. It's cyclical, I'm sure. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's not chicken before egg or uh, other way around. They're no. together in a swirling tornado just going They've been blended in a blender. Yes, bed. correct. I don't know, some external force probably that's right. created. Yeah. I hesitate to say God because spirituality is a whole other conversation. Yeah, I mean, we can get into that for sure. But uh, I, I feel like that would be like <laughs> another interview, another episode. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what would you say... You, I mean, you are a content creator. Do you put much thought into the messages you are putting out there? Are you particular about the kind of content you're creating? For sure, and I think that that's really the magic in, if you want to talk about breaking through, it's about finding quality and things that people want to consume versus just slamming more messages out there, right? It's filling gaps and finding white space. That's where you know, where you can really have success as far as getting your messages out there and breaking through all this clutter. Mm -hmm. um, I think if everybody took that approach and said, you know what, we're only gonna put out the best of the best and we're gonna kill this whole idea of quantity, um, then we'd be in a much better place where we wouldn't have to be so selective with what we're reading and listening to because the bulk of it would be, you know, quote unquote good, right? It would be of quality. It wouldn't just be like, let's just pump out as much of the shit as we can. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think that uh, it's always super important. Now in my, for me personally, and you know, in the work that I do, um, I often don't have as much of a say because you know, if you're, you're supporting a client or a client's need, you're, you're trying to meet certain objectives, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And sometimes those, unfortunately, those quality things have to go out the window because of, you know, just the nature of business and the fact that you gotta get paid, right? So sometimes you have to sort of let go of that and, and just kind of go with it and say, okay, this is this is what client wants, this is what client gets. Is that um, what you do when you are looking for those blank spaces to fit into? If there is a blank space, say the client wants to take you into a corner of the page that hasn't been colored yet, mm -hmm. but it doesn't align with uh, your own beliefs. What kind of mental disconnect do you mm. experience and how do you deal with that? Yeah, well, I mean, there's, I've been fortunate that for the most part, the, the types of brands and, and the things that I've worked with have been things that I do truly believe in and, and you know, would stand beside those brands and wave the flag, if you will, That's um, awesome. with pride, you know, I've been very lucky that way. I've, I've you know, avoided, uh, you know, government work and things of that nature for the very reason that I know I would find myself too often on the other side of the debate and disagreeing with what I'm supposed to be promoting and okay. I cannot do that um, you know I, I've always said I, I would be a good salesman if I sold something I believed in 
you know, so for example, um, you know, I got approached once you know, years ago to do this sales job where we were selling some like ridiculous air cleaner unit and you can make a lot of money selling these things, but they were things that nobody needed. They, I don't even think they even worked and they were really expensive, really overpriced. And I could never sell those. There's just no chance because I couldn't look someone in the eye and tell them you should buy this. What I would end up doing is saying, hey, by the way, like, don't buy it. It's a piece of shit, right? Like, that's just how I am. Whereas, you know. But I think people would like you more. Of course. To be honest. But I wouldn't sell anything and I would be out of a job, right? So that just wouldn't work for me. Whereas, you know, if there's a product I really believe in, then I think, you know, everyone needs one of these. Everyone maybe not needs, but should have one of these things. Yeah. Then I would, you know, I'd sell it all day and I would do it with pride, right? So I think that uh, for me, luckily, I haven't had to make those decisions too often. For the most part, I've been able to work with brands and clients that I do believe in. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, I don't know if I could really answer the question uh, other than to say that I haven't really faced that too much, thankfully. What sorts of brands and what sorts of messages have you been working with and do you look to work with? Yeah, so I mean, like before leaving my job in an agency, uh, you know, I was working with a number of bigger Canadian brands like Tim Hortons, for example. Um, I worked with, jeez, uh, I'm struggling now to think of all the brands I worked with. Um, yeah, uh, you know, a number of bigger name brands like that, but none that I was like, oh, they're poisoning our waters or, you know, making people starve yeah. um, kind of thing. So You've never worked with Nestle? No, I haven't, actually, no, I haven't. Um, <laughs> Not to put you on the spot, I'm yeah. throwing them under the best. No, totally. Um, no, and in fairness, actually, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, there have been things that I've, you know, products I've supported that at the end of the day, I'm like, nobody should probably consume this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So that is true. I actually have found myself there before. Um, but how I would balance that or deal with it, um, I think usually it was just kind of one of those things that you, you kind of do what you have to do in the moment. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have easily folded just because like it's a competitive industry and if I wanted to continue climbing the ladder, so to speak, you kind of had to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and I, there were times that I didn't really have a choice, but for the most part, that was never you know a question for me. Um, there were always things that I could stay outside. So. And you stepping outside of that, do you feel like you have more of a, an ability to add your own personal for place sure. to it? Yeah, and I think now that I'm my own boss, I mean, I ultimately can decide who I work with and who I don't, right? And 100%, I won't work with, you know, would never work with a brand that I don't believe in. Like, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't take their money if they tried to give it to me. I'd say, no, I'm sorry, but, you know, we just, we can't represent or work with you. Mm -hmm. um, so I have that luxury now, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but it was, it was certainly scary leaving that, um, but, but what pushed me to do it was that, so I was at the management level, and the next step up from there was the director level, and the next step from there would be VP, et cetera, et cetera. And I was, you know, I was working with my managers, or I was looking at sort of what that next step was for me. We'd be having meetings, talking about, oh, here's the things that you should be doing so that you get to that next level. And I'm looking at this, these things, and thinking to myself, I don't want any of this shit. Like I don't want to do this at all. Not, no, not one part of me wants to do this. Like there's just really nothing left in this for me now. I've had a lot of fun. I've gotten to learn a ton of stuff, work with some amazing people at some really great agencies. Like I could say nothing but good things about them, but uh, I had hit a point, I had done the stuff that got me excited and got me out of bed, and I wasn't going to be doing much more of that anymore, and it was now becoming more about the things that I had never wanted to do in the first place, and that was now my job, and you know, dragging myself out of bed became a challenge, and that's when you know you need to switch gears, right? When you 
when you hit snooze on your alarm more than twice, more than once really, if you hit snooze at all, I think, you need a change because something's not working for you. You're avoiding the day, you don't even wanna get out of bed, that's a big problem. And now if that's not related to your work, that's a whole other story. But if it's because yeah, of the work, so no, there are, the fact no. that I have four alarms set every morning to make sure. I no, no, and don't don't After take it your own way. I don't want to offend people <laughs> at all. Um, that works for some people. But what I've noticed for myself is that I go through times in life where that is the case that I, you know, I need four snooze alarms. And usually if I look at why that is, it's because I don't want to face my day. And when facing my day is usually about the career that I'm in and what I'm doing, right? Um, when I'm excited about my work, there's no problem. Like if you think about it on a non-work day, right? So uh, let's say you're flying somewhere really exciting and you've got a like 7 a.m. flight, you gotta be at the airport at five, you gotta be up at like 3.30 in the morning on like two hours of sleep. Do you hesitate getting off that alarm? Not a chance. You jump out of bed and you're like so excited and you just go, right? I used to be a flight attendant, so I might well, make it different. As a flight attendant, right? Because that was your job. But, yeah. um, you know, if you're excited to do something, there's no problem getting up. You're up, right? Yeah. And so that's why I say when it comes to your career, if you're finding that you're struggling to get yourself out of bed and get your day started, mm -hmm. it might be because you aren't happy with what you're doing anymore, whether you realize that or not yet. That might be the reason, right? It might just be that it doesn't excite you anymore, and in fact, it scares you, or it it makes you want to turn the other way. This and that was certainly the case for me. That I was really struggling to just get up and go start my day because I didn't want to face any of the things I knew I was going to face that day. Not because I was like, oh, I'm just going to run from my problems kind of thing, but it, there was just no passion in it anymore. You know, and if you don't have passion, then what the heck are you doing? That's right? solid point. Yeah. yeah, following your passion. I think the alarm factor is an mm -hmm. interesting topic to bring up because hearing you talk about that made me reflect inwardly wondering why I have spent, I go through ebbs and flows, but I think yeah. I'm, I'm in one of the ebbs right now where I'm like, oh, why am I always tired? I'm drinking more coffee on mm -hmm. the regular. I've had, I started incorporating Red Bull back into my oh, life. Yeah. It's, it's a pattern. <laughs> Sometimes I'll hit the yeah. Red Bull yeah. um, and setting like four alarms to make sure that I get up on time, but I'm still passionate about everything that I'm mm -hmm. doing and I love what I'm doing. I'm just burning the yeah. wick at both ends, I'm assuming. And that that is another sign. Mm -hmm. I mean, if that's not working, you still need to be treating totally. yourself right and taking care of that's yourself. Right. It's probably another reason why I don't do the meditation part so right. well because I've, I've developed this pattern or this habit yeah. of of just go, go, being go. Being on go. all the time. Being on. Totally. Yeah. And what I will say to that, because I don't, again, and I feel like I totally uh, threw so many people under the bus when I said that, you know, if you no, need you multiple alarms. point. But I was saying that only from the point of view of your career factor. Yeah. There are many other things, and even for me today, uh, I'm very passionate and very excited about what I'm doing, and most days I jump out of bed without, I, most days I honestly don't even really need an alarm because I just wake up after about six and a half, seven hours, and I'm awake, it's time to get up, and I have no problem getting out of bed most days because I'm excited about what I'm doing. But there are days where, um, you know, I've got some big decisions to make that day, I've got a lot on the go, I'm a little stressed out, and those are the times when I find myself hitting the snooze alarm and trying to find refuge under my blankets where I'm cozy and away from the scary world that I have to go face 
that happens to me even now and I'm not working for someone and I'm not doing something that I hate doing. I love what I'm doing. That's just life. So that's just life sometimes. So in fairness, I will say that that is very much the case. So the insomniacs hate you. I'm kind of retracting my statement a little bit here, but... Um, no, you're clarifying. Yeah, I'm clarifying. It thank was you. specific to the context. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Speaking of context, mm -hmm. your, your content that you do create Contextually, how do you fit in? Where do you get to find your creativity? I don't know. I mean, right now, I, it's kind of an open canvas for me. I'm in the process of, of launching this thing that I'm creating. Um, so I haven't really gotten to the point to figure that out yet, to be honest with you. Um, and that's what's so exciting about it is that it's really, I can take it wherever I want to in whatever direction I feel like. Um, I haven't really arrived at that point just yet, though. If, had so many other things happening with launching this business, uh, you know, had to learn a ton, obviously, starting from nothing and having to write, figure out how do I write a business plan, like, where do you start with a new business, you know, I had no idea, so to learn all that stuff, um, so I'm kind of getting there, I'm not quite there yet, yeah. um, but one thing I do know is that I want to be able to uh, support causes that matter to me and that are important, um, you know, so f for example, um, like supporting local charities and helping them to produce really nice looking content that would be out of reach for them typically for budgetary reasons or otherwise. And, you know, so there, I'm definitely gonna be looking for a couple of key partnerships in that respect where I can have an impact on something that I truly believe in mm -hmm. um, and, and offer them something that they wouldn't have had access to usually. So that's, that's where I'm headed with it, but I don't know exactly what that looks like right now. I haven't defined it yet. You're going to develop it organically. Yeah, it will. That's how, uh, you know, that's how I think for me, most things in life, how the best things in life usually happened organically, not because I was like so set on that and I'm going to make this thing happen. Um, sure. I've had success when I've done that, but, um, for me that hasn't always been the best way to find success. Mm -hmm. Um, half the time things just kind of if you let them, things just kind of fell into place for me. And I, you know, I don't know if I had a horseshoe on my ass or what, but, um, you know, like I, I, that's truly, I believe that, that if you, you know, try too hard just to, you know, you put too much pressure on one thing, you're kind of setting it up for failure versus if you kind of just go with the flow and let things happen naturally, they will for you. Um, as long as you're harboring the right energies, right? So if you're, if you're, emitting a lot of positive energy and you're surrounding yourself with positive energy that's really all you need that that is the ingredients that are going to bring you success and help you find success that's what's brought you to where you are today i'd say so i mean um you know i've changed a lot over my life as, as we all do and i remember being a really shitty snot-nosed kid and kind of being an asshole and not really caring what anybody thought and just doing what i want when i want and being a bit of a dick really and I used to get a lot of that negativity would come back at me, right? Um, and I, I don't know when I realized it, but there was a moment I remember where I, it, it dawned on me that, hey, like, if I care about people, they care about me back. And like, if I'm positive and I admit positivity, positivity comes back to me. Um, in one of my first blogs, back to you asking if I ever wrote a blog, I had a blog for a while that was all about positive thinking and I was just sharing examples of you know things people could relate to in their everyday life about how positivity can impact your day and how if you were to you know basically you could look at like the same path at the start uh, if you took that path it was a very positive mindset it would go one way if you took it with a negative mindset it would go a completely different way and the end result would reflect that 
Um, and, and so I learned, you know, that that's what it's really all about for me. And since that awakening, if you will, and realization, um, am I always positive about everything? No, obviously not. There's still things that I'm like, you know, what the heck is that all about or whatever. Um, I'm not positive about everything, but um, I try to see the positivity in everything. Like literally everything. Sometimes the shittiest thing will happen to you, but there's always a positive in it. If you look for it, there is always a, an upside to every situation. Like hands down, guaranteed, I don't care what it is. You could, you know, I could tumble down the stairs when we walk out of here. I will find a positive in that. Is there a uh, to yeah. knock on right now? <laughs> <laughs> it makes me nervous. No, honestly, I truly believe that. Um, and, and generally, the positive will outweigh the negative as well. Mm. I've, I've always found that. So. You don't think that they, there's a balance, a karma balance, that there is yin and yang and they're equal. There is. There is. Well, but then, like, I mean, the positivity and the But I don't negative. know if they're, always, if they're always necessarily equal. There always is a yin and yang to everything, yes. So, uh, you know, there, there's that old saying, like, when there's light, there must be darkness too, right? Without darkness, there is no light. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, applies perfectly to what I'm saying right now, is that, like, no matter how shitty something seems, there is a little nugget of gold within that that's there for you to discover mm-hmm. if you so seek it if you just say oh you know what i'm doomed i have the worst luck oh then that's what you're going to have you're going to harbor that and you're going to have the worst luck that's just the way it works whereas if you try to see through the crap and see what is the good in this you'll find it mm-hmm. yeah Basically, that's been that, my experience that story about two different wolves the the positivity and the mm-hmm. negativity mm-hmm. both represented as wolves and a mother telling this story to her child, and the child asking which wolf wins or which wolf uh, grows, and mm-hmm. it's the one that you feed. Right. So that's right. Exactly. So yeah. Maybe maybe if you do feed, or at least if you're putting your awareness on the positivity, whether 100%. or not they're an equal balance. That's right. It's more about that awareness and where you where you place it. You've got it exactly. One hundred percent. You get to decide at the end of the day, right, mm-hmm. where to put your focus. Yeah. And if you focus on the negativity, that's all you're going to see. I think it, it takes some, like we said, to bring it full circle, it takes effort to, to figure out how to train your eye to focus on that, to be able to lay in the stillness or to be able to cut through the noise of the bombardment mm-hmm. of messages or to be able to choose what kind of message you want to consume that is out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it also comes down to the lens that we all apply to things, right? I mean we could both read the same thing and take something completely different from it because we have different uh, external factors that are put, coming into play. And uh, again, I'll call that the lens that we see things through. My point of view differs very greatly from you know, many around me because of different factors that, in, that uh, you know, put pressures on what we see or, or influence what we see, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, things are never so black and white, but um, you can kind of decide what perspective you want to have on things. and. And not let that come so much from external factors and let that be more about just from deep within you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's another path to sort of being at peace with all of this and not being overwhelmed by this bombardment of messages that are coming at you and, and, and just, yeah, feeling like, you know what, I, I am okay. I totally got this. Like, there's no reason to feel otherwise, you know? And it's okay to not feel okay. It is totally okay to not feel okay. Um, you know, I don't feel okay like half the time, right? I mean, I go through ups and flows, like like you said before. Um, some days I feel like I'm on top of the world, like oh my god, I'm kicking ass. Look at me go! I'm gonna be the best. Oh my gosh! And then other days I'm like, oh man, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> holy shit, I am lost. I have no clue. But 
the and that's a ne- that t- you know it's a negative thing, right? That oh my god, it's overwhelming. Um, but then you'll have like a breakthrough moment, or like you'll you'll aha, you'll come up with a solution for something that's been bugging you, um, and that's the positive in that, right? It's like um, yeah, I mean you, you need that to grow really, right? You're, if you're not learning, you're not growing. At the end of the day, um, you're kind of stagnant, and that was another part of why I wanted to take the jump and do something different. Um, you know, that's that's why it's so scary, but that's also why it's so awesome. Is that like every day I get to learn new things and figure out new stuff, and and that's you know that's a gift really. I feel very fortunate to have that luxury that I can do that and not feel like you know what I just have to keep pushing buttons because that's what I'm to do. That's my role. That's what I was put here for. Uh, that I you know I can thank my parents a lot for that. That they've always encouraged me to do what the what it is that I want to do. You know they helped me to get through school and. You know, they, whatever I wanted to take, it was up to me. They weren't like, oh, you know, you you're, you need to be a lawyer or, you know, my dad's an accountant. Oh, you have to get into accounting. It was never like that. So I'm very lucky that way. Yeah. That I was never, you know, sort of cast into a role that I had no no choice over. Um, that I've, you know, I've been given that flexibility to to be who I want to be and do what I want to do. And, uh, and, and that's changed 50 times, you know, in my life and will continue to change too. Yeah. Uh, I'd be surprised if in five years I am doing the same thing I'm doing right now. It Truthfully. seems to be, yeah, it seems to be a, um, that's similar at least in my mm-hmm. experience and I think that that's something that's consistent across the board for many people these days. Mm-hmm. Our society has drifted towards a multiple career kind of lifestyle. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. And it's cool so that you're very aware of mm-hmm. the opportunities that are given to you to be, yeah. and the fact that you have that kind of an opportunity for that lifestyle these mm-hmm. days and that you go for it, that you make a point of choosing to yeah. take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, I think that's actually a really important point to make is that we all have that choice. Um, it's some, some people don't think they do and so they'll just stick with the roles they've been given. You know, they'll just follow the roles that society or that their parents or whoever has kind of thrust upon them, and they'll really step into and own those roles. And you know, when you're when you're acting, that's great, right? You need to step into a role and you need to do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, but in life, that's not so great. I think roles should, you know, I don't think we should ever be too set in any one role, um, or we're just kind of closing the door to so much opportunity to learn and do new things and to really to be happy, whatever happiness is to you. But for me, anyway. Um, you know, that to me is, is a key to happiness is, is not defining yourself to one s- certain type of role um, and being open and malleable and flexible and, you know, wanting to play many different roles and experience things from different points of view. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's what it's for me. That's where happiness lies, really. Well, I think you're absolutely correct to say that if you don't keep yourself open to learn new things, if you're not aware that there are other things out there that you don't know, mm-hmm. that there are other ways that you can grow, then you're going to be pretty uncomfortable. If you get to a point where you think you don't need to learn anymore, that you know enough, or yeah. you have found you have found that one spot mm-hmm. where just you'll stay in that corner, you're gonna have a hard time, I think, in life because yeah. the only thing that's constant in life is change, that's and right. nobody has the same opinion. We're all different, so that's to right. be closed-minded brings you up against a lot of hard times I'd say yeah absolutely and for some people that's you know what that's comforting for them to say you know I know this is my role and that's what I do and here's where I fit in 
they find comfort in that and and I won't slam them or say that they're wrong in any way that if that's comforting for them and makes them feel good or oh no you find a peace, job that makes you happy then great yes sure stay totally. with it yeah but even then I would say to not let it define who you are because at the end of the day it's not who you are it's a part of what you do but it's not who you are that and is that's a, the big distinguishing factor I think that is dangerous grounds as soon as you define yourself with a role that can be taken away or with some sort of external mm. source that can be taken away Absolutely. or with the compliment of somebody else saying that you look good that can be taken away if they change their opinion if you depend on external sources yeah. external reasons external 100%. factors to find your own happiness or to yeah. find your own identity yeah that's a very dangerous space unfortunately 100%. Because of our understanding with that psychology, our society has co-opted mm -hmm. that understanding and put it back into advertising yeah. and told us what, like you said, yeah. what to buy to become happy, totally. where to go, what kind of 100%. vacations to take. And Absolutely. So it's a bit of a backwards world that we have, and that's another reason why I think it's cool that as a creator, you do choose to step outside of a system that you're very aware of mm -hmm. and to create your own messages and choose who you do want to work with. I think that's an important factor in making any kind of change for yourself or for the world. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's a very empowering and amazing feeling too, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, I, I'm so, so happy that again, that I have that, I'll call it the luxury or that, um, you know, that I, that I realized that, that I didn't have to be somebody that, others wanted me to be that I could be whoever the heck it is that I want to be is a very liberating thought and feeling mm -hmm. um, and it's amazing and, and yeah I think uh, you know the answers to who you are lie within you not outside and as soon as people realize that they will immediately have an awakening that will free them from so much burden and shit that just they don't need in their lives and and to your point too the point I want to make there was that nothing is forever, right? Um, you know, and that's why so many, you know, we'll, we'll talk about actors for a second, I think, you know, so many actors ha end up having all kinds of mental health issues and uh, addictions and abuses and things like that um, is because they become that person that, uh, you know, that celebrity that everybody makes them. They become who the magazines and, and so on are saying that they are. They become that person. Um, and then as soon as that celebrity falls apart and nobody cares anymore, they don't know who the heck they are because that's all they know anymore. That is who they are. They are that celebrity mm -hmm. and they built their life around that. And now they're at a point in their life where change is very difficult and they suddenly lose this. And that's, you know, and, and I'm using acting as an example, but I think it's the same in pretty much anything, you mm -hmm. know, like any role, any career, everything changes nothing will be the same ever forever and uh, that's why you can't identify with anything too much or it will fall apart and you'll be completely lost acting is a perfect analogy because you mm -hmm. like you said when you rise to another level of stardom or celebrity you your business is your brand and your that's brand right. is who you are it is your identity it is the roles that you play right it is what magazines write about you it's the it's, reviews that yes. you read about yourself exactly and so these are all just different pieces it's like you've taken the mirror of yourself mm -hmm. and shattered it and yeah. now all these different forms of media and other people like critics and yeah. it, just your fans whoever it is who says something about you who tries to shape your 
identity in some way is picking those pieces of the mirror up and holding it back to you and you're looking right. at this kaleidoscope of yourself you're trying to understand now yeah you're you're seeing yourself through other people's eyes correct and that's a disconcerting thing. Yeah. that's a, a very uncomfortable way to try to understand who you are mm-hmm. and but that's what most of us do right and it is like, but, but like you said when you decided to cho- when you realized you got to choose who you are yeah. and you found that sort of blissful freedom mm-hmm. it sounds like a simple concept but it's it, crazy how it deep those waters run yes for sure for sure and it's yeah. true it's, it's hard to not only be in an industry where you're constantly facing rejection mm-hmm. on literally i went on two auditions this yeah. morning and it's not. It's not like you get rejected in the room right away. Sometimes you feel that. Sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you get oh, a sense. <laughs> they're not gonna call me. <laughs> yeah, but then you also you also get to go through. Like for me personally, um, I've had multiple experiences where my loving and supporting parents, like my father, mm. will, who is very opposite of me. He's a military <laughs> man, so he tries to support me by saying, "You know, how's your? How was your audition? Did you?" Did they like you? Did they hire you? It's not the same as an interview. Right. It's not the same as what he would have experienced going up in the rankings yeah. of military, sure. where everything's a little bit more rigid and mm-hmm. a little bit more black and white, and mm-hmm. you you make the decision then and there. Yeah. No, you get to either maybe hear back from them or never hear anything again. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. if we're the dating world, it just goes to you. Yeah. 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 Totally. Just <laughs> so done. All these different ways of feeling rejection or um, having other people judge you mm-hmm. and, and trying to not take that in and take that personally. Yeah. Internalize it right. as Make some it sort part of your identity. Or, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's not just the acting world, though, like you said. No, I think it's anything. I mean, if you think about, um, you know, just the, the different roles that we all play and how um, I think we can, I know I can relate to this for sure, like how I would talk to, let's say, my boss versus somebody who's a direct report to me, right? My tone and the types of words and the way I would say things is completely different. And that's because what I'm doing in that moment, which is not a good thing, by the way, is I'm sort of projecting what I think, how they see me. I'm giving that back to them. And they're doing the same thing. We're both playing this little game. Yeah. Um, where, which is so inauthentic, really, at the end of the day. Um, you know, so many of our interactions with other humans is very inauthentic because we're trying to project and be who we think they think we are. Yeah. We're trying to give that back to them and, and play that role for them. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we said, screw that, I'm just going to be me and do me, um, are, we'd have a lot more authentic, sometimes uncomfortable, I'm sure, sometimes we might offend others, whatever, but we would have a lot more authentic relationships and authentic engagements with each other mm-hmm. if we all just threw away that baggage of trying to be who everyone thinks we should be or who we think people think we should be. Yeah. It really gets confusing about thinking, about thinking, about thinking. Um, <laughs> so much thinking. <laughs> yeah. If we just let go of that and just be who we are and, and don't try and play those roles every time, we would be a lot more authentic. And that's something I'm trying personally to do a lot because for a long time I thought it was so great that, oh man, I'm just so able to get on different levels. Like, that's what I'd say. Like, I'm, I'm really good at like, being at the level of whoever I'm talking to so like I will you know do what I have to do to be at that same level of that same person and you know in some ways that's a great thing like being able to relate to somebody who you know looks up to you and and get on their level so to speak is definitely a good thing to be able to do but um, 
what I realized is it's actually it's not me in those scenarios. It's it's me being playing a role or playing a character, being somebody else other than myself. It's not my true self in yeah. those moments. Yeah, you're putting on a different hat. Yeah, hat and I've done a lot of that. Or... I'm trying I'm trying to do less and less of that and just be me all the time, no matter who it is I'm talking to, um, and not apologizing for it either. Yeah. They're not always going to agree with me, and that's totally cool too. I don't think you're alone in that kind of challenge. Mm. I think that we've taught ourselves how to do that yeah. too. Culturally. Yeah, 100%. Socially, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's It just it just comes back to the trying to get rid of the thinking, all the, all the thoughts, mm-hmm. clear your head of those thoughts, to find the stillness, to find that mm-hmm. authenticity. Yeah, and the key in there, again, I think I've said this already, but I'm going to say it again, is to not try, is to just be. That's it. And that's, I know it sounds, it's definitely a lot easier said than done. Yeah. Um, but I'll go back to my point about being an observer of thought. That is something I think most people can understand once they try it. If they try and look at their thoughts from a third party point of view and mm-hmm. almost like become not somebody else, but you know what I mean? Like to your point of watching the traffic. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, then you really kind of, I think then it's like, okay, I get this. It makes sense now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when, so there's no trying and there's no thinking about trying or thinking about thinking. Uh, that leads to more thinking. Yeah. Um, it's about instead just watching your thoughts. I like that. I feel like that should be the tagline. That should be our closing line. Seeing is how my phone about, literally oh, about no. to die. That should be the closing tag for you. Stop trying. <laughs> yeah. No, it just sounds so negative. Out of context, it sounds bad. I know, but it's catchy. I love it. <laughs> Sure, if people want to take it as yeah. us saying you're trying too hard, you are trying yeah, too hard. Yeah, I think so, though. I think we are. And, like, you know, I'm in a role now, like, I'm launching a friggin' studio business. Do I come from a studio background? No. I'm going to learn it, and I'm going to figure it out. What I do have is passion and drive, and I, this is something that I want to do, and I'm going to make it a reality. Yeah, I'm going to have many hiccups along the way. I'm going to screw things up because I don't know what I'm doing a lot of time. Um, but that's okay. Like that's what I realized is that it's okay to not know. Mm-hmm. And when you realize that most people are just kind of winging it anyway, right? Um, most people will wear a face of, that says like, oh no, I totally got this. But inside they're like, I have no idea. Um, once you realize that you're not alone in that, then you kind of feel free to just like experiment and try things and fail at stuff. Like failing's great. Failure leads to success, right? If you don't fail, you're not, you're not learning anything then. You're just doing the same things over and over again. Right, if you're not failing. So you should yeah. be failing, you should be. Um, and that's been, again, another very liberating thing for me in this whole experience of, of leaving my job and being a, an entrepreneur, if you will, um, has gone, I've gone through feeling like, fuck, I really need to know and I need to have the answers. And um, that stressed me out so badly to realizing that, no, it doesn't matter. And the other thing too is that like, you know, we all know we're our own worst enemies and our own biggest critics, right? It's like, no one's watching that closely either, right? Like, when you think about it, nobody's paying that close of attention that they're gonna notice all your little mess ups. They will see your successes and they will acknowledge your successes, but they're not watching you like, haha, you screwed up. Aside from like your competitors or people who wanna bring you down, but who gives a shit what they think? I don't care. Anyone that wants to actively bring me down can say whatever the hell they want. I if they're gonna spend care. their time and energy focused yeah. on that exactly you have all your time and energy to focus on whatever it is that you're building that's right and I yeah and they can say whatever they want and 
it really has no effect on me unless I choose to let it and, and say, oh man, that person said that really bad thing. Oh my gosh, and I'm going to cry about it now. Um, you know, it's, it, it doesn't cool. matter. If you decide. Go have a good little cry and then go get back on yeah, the train. If you decide it doesn't matter, then that's up to you and it doesn't need to matter. Yeah. Right? Cool. Just stop trying. Start failing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That can be definitely the, the title. That's the title. Today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stop trying, stop failing. Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a great experience. Cool, cool, cool. Welcome back. Tanya and Kales in the house. Uh, can I just mention <laughs> my anger? We're sitting in my apartment right now. I'm actually, like, livid. <laughs> it, it, like, I had to stop. I saw that I got a message from you, but I also found this <coughs> magazine in my um, mailbox and I was about to answer to you, but I had to stop. I had to stop and breathe because on the yeah. cover, beautiful picture. I don't know if I should. I don't want to say the, the name of the magazine. No, let's not. Uh, let's not. They'll probably know because they're listening for sure. <laughs> and right. they know what they put on the cover of their magazine. Beautiful girl. Bunch of ads all over. And by ads, I mean like these are the taglines. But it says, pretty is the new bold. What happened? Yeah, that that was my reaction. How is pretty bold? How is pretty the thing that we should even be focusing on? But, Are we going, like... But ugh. then they go on to say pretty is the new bold, and then they have, like, all these things they talk about, and it's about body, body talk, feel good news, my motivation, and, like, they have maybe three things about your body and, like, six or seven things about beauty, like... Great. So the idea of being bold, which more so correlates with your energy and your mind, your ambition, your your actions in this world. Isn't now Fuck that. Physical. Let's talk about what we look like. So pretty and so bold. Hashtag bold. Oh my god. Like, like your brow is on fleek. Brows on fleek. Look at those fake lashes. I don't know why we have to put those voices on when we talk about it. Is that what angry sounds like? I think so. Or is that jealousy? No, I'm just frustrated. Like, pretty is the new bold? No. Fucking bold is the new bold. Do you want to be pretty? Um, I'd rather be smart. I'd rather be beautiful. I'd rather be talented. I'd rather be funny. Hey, that, okay, the word beautiful, when you said that, the idea of the word, word beautiful, I feel like over time... We have, in terms of semiotics, I think we've shifted to understand beautiful as something that might um, encompass both the outside and the in. Yeah. The word pretty to me doesn't, like, I, I don't know if I would ever say she has it's a pretty almost, personality. It's, it's degrading because I used to joke around and my friends, if they're listening, will know. If you do something stupid, like, um, not stupid, but silly, like you accidentally try to cut your steak with your knife upside down so it's not sharp, so it's the dull side. I would tap someone on the shoulder and be like, you're pretty. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, an insult. It's an insult. It's Don't not, worry, it's, you have the thing on the it's, outside. It's degrading almost in the sense of, you're pretty, like, wow, like, you're lucky, you're like really pretty. Like that scene in Mean Girls, you're like really pretty, thanks. So you think you're pretty? Like that whole, like... <laughs> To me, it's it's not it's not bold mm. at all. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's another episode too. <laughs> it made me super angry. Uh, that's those are the messages. Those are the not even so subliminal messages that are. It's a Canadian magazine. I'll say it. Um, mm-hmm. Our Canadian media 
is throwing it in their faces. It's unfortunate. Um, on the other hand, <laughs> back to <laughs> back to one cool thing, one cool actionable thing. You know, not just not just looking pretty, but maybe doing something and being bold. I recently watched. I think this is a series of documentaries, but I watched uh, one out of, I believe, three documentaries uh, under the title Zeitgeist. Have you seen any of them? I feel like I have. Like, is this an older documentary or is it new? Because if it's older, I feel like I have. If it's new, then no. Been around for a while. Whoa. Didn't turn my sound off. Uh, Been around for a while. I believe I watched one of the first ones like a long time ago and, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. might have been what attracted me to the I think I watched the third one in the series and and they talk a lot about I don't know if it's more like a subliminal not so subliminal push for the Venus project beyond politics poverty <laughs> and war is its tagline and I like all the air quotes you used well, yeah, that's how they know I didn't write that. That wasn't. That's not me. Oh, oh in wait, the air. Gotcha. Oh no, did I plagiarize? <laughs> this. Uh, oh my god. Jeez. I'm so sorry. Facebook notifications. You're so Hollywood. popular. I'm turning it off. <laughs> so the project essentially stems from the theories of this guy named Jacques Fresco. I think that he's French. Well, the resume has a little d accent they go on top. On his bio page, yeah. But that's just how you spell resume. <laughs> I don't know if many people in the Western oh world God, put an we accent can on this. Cut that whole thing out. <laughs> no, man, that's fun. Uh, anyway, his background includes industrial design, social engineering, um, and he was the forerunner in the field of human factors. Oh, is. right is the forerunner in the field of human factors. So just to give you an idea of what the Venus Project is, uh, it proposes to dramatically reduce crime, poverty, hunger, homelessness, many other pressing problems that are common throughout the world today. And one of the cornerstones that they note on their website uh, of the organization's findings is that the fact that many of the dysfunctional behaviors of today's society stem directly from the dehumanizing environment of a monetary system. So we spoke a bit about money driving us versus maybe altruistically doing what is better for the world and for our (laughs) souls. Mm -hmm. So the Venus Project proposes a system in which automation and technology would be intelligently integrated into an overall holistic socioeconomic design where the primary function would be to, would be to maximize the quality of life rather than profits again kind of ringing true to what adam was talking about between your quality of life versus quantity mm-hmm. because we do live in a world that <laughs> even just thinking about how i told you i've been cleansing out my apartment trying to get rid of so I don't know how I've accumulated so much stuff yeah so if anybody wants some like designer purses and scarves out there hello I'm a girl (laughs) yeah so that's our our one cool thing Uh, you can find all of this in our show notes Um, we will add it in there thevenusproject.com I'm your Venus I'm your fire your desire instead of our outro music you're welcome. Thanks for tuning in to We're Totally Not Okay. But that's okay. See you next time. Bye.